Well, tonight we're going to continue in the series on living by faith. And I love this series because it's very practical. For us in the circles that we're in that we hear the word all the time, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think because they know the scriptures, they know about faith, that it's almost like they think they're walking by faith. But when they, if you take a, a picture, a photograph of your life, you know, you take a photograph of what's coming out of your mouth, you take a photograph of what you're thinking about and, and what your concerns are and everything, and you can go, oh my gosh, there's something that I'm not seeing here. I'm not seeing faith. But we don't have faith events. We live by faith. Amen. We walk by faith. By whose faith? The faith of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So think about what the Bible says. And put this in context to your life. We know this about God. There is no variableness in him, right? The Bible says every good, and every, it's in the book of James, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, and then it says something about God. In whom is no variableness. So if you study this Greek word, if God would do something for Henry that he would not do for me, that's variableness. So in other words, God is saying, whatever I'll do for one, I'll do for everyone. Amen. Right? God, Jesus didn't die for the sins of certain people, the elect. No, no, he died for the sins of the whole world. The Bible says that God is a God who would have how many people saved? All, and all come to the knowledge of the truth, right? So even, it says over and over in the word, God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he's done for all. Then when you study redemption, you find out that he's provided something for everyone. Everyone who literally will call upon him He's provided things for. Thank you. So if you fall asleep to... No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. So, yeah. I got a big bottle here. Man. Pray for me, because everything within me probably would want to squirt at least my wife. But I won't do that, because, man, I heard she got... A, she, do you know this lady got a leaf blower one day in church? Took over a service and leaf blew me right on the front row. So anyway, yep, witness. witness right there. There we go. So think about this. We're talking about how to live by faith. Well, what is faith? Faith literally gives substance to the thing that you're expecting. Healing, provision, deliverance, strength, peace, joy, wholeness, welfare, safety. I mean, we could go on and on and on. It, faith gives substance to what you're hoping for. What, th what that word hope really means is what you're expecting. Why are you expecting it? Because God very clearly in his word said he's already given it to you. You already own it. The thing is, though, you can't see it. It's not in this realm. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, right? All of it, right when we got saved. How do we, and, and how was it given to us? It was given to us by God's grace. God's grace. He just, we couldn't earn it. We couldn't deserve it. The best definition I've ever heard about the grace of God is God doing for you and I what we could never, ever, ever do for ourselves, right? So God has given us everything so that we, and then he shows us in the Bible what he's given us and how our life is supposed to look. The path of the righteous is supposed to increase, right? Increase more and more to the full day. Increase brighter and brighter to the full day, both for us and for our children. Your life is never to go backwards, okay? We see this. Jesus himself bore your sicknesses and diseases 
or all of ours, and carried all of our pain. Why? So that now we can be healed. He is Jehovah Rapha. We sang about it, the Lord that heals thee. How many? He's provided healing for everyone. Okay? So think about, think about this in context. He's given healing to everyone. So right now, tonight, you own whatever healing you need in your body. It's theirs. It's yours. It's, as Psalm 23 says, it's sitting on a table for you. But how you receive from God, it's how you got saved, it's how you receive everything from him, is through faith. Faith will give substance to it. It gives substance to the thing I'm expecting. Faith is the proof that I have what I can't see. It's my proof. Whoever is born of God, the Bible says, overcomes the world system. And this is the victory that overcomes the world system. Even our faith. So when we hear on the inside of us, Tony, I sent my word and healed you. That means that sickness or that disease or that pain that's in your body right now has no legal right there. I bore it so you don't have to. Now guess what? If I don't believe that, I'll have to live with that. But if I believe what God says, I can take the faith of God, reach into the unseen realm, and say, Father, I believe I receive my healing. Right? So think about your life. The Bible has said this. Jesus instituted an eternal jubilee. When he came down out of the desert, he said, from this day on, he instituted an eternal jubilee. Jubilee is debt cancellation. The Bible says that when we got born again, he not only redeemed us from the curse of the law, I'm quoting scriptures. This is not anybody's opinion. This is Galatians chapter three. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, which includes spiritual death, sickness, disease, and pain, poverty, and lack. He, how did he do it? Because he was made a curse for us. Listen, the price was paid. He hung on a tree. He was made a curse so that the blessing of Abraham would be able to come upon the Gentiles. Well, what's the blessing of Abraham? First manifestation of it in the Old Testament is God made Abraham rich financially, materially. Oh, that's, that's almost, woo. Are you going to say that in church? Listen, the Bible says it. I don't care how many letters you have past your name. If you say that's not material wealth, you don't know the Bible. You don't know anything about Hebrew words or Greek words at all. That word rich means a full and, and overflowing supply. It literally means, I mean, in the New Testament, God said, listen, Jesus was made poor on that cross so that you and I, through his poverty, might be made rich, full and overflowing supply. So think about that in your financial life. So God's will for your life tonight. Now, we, we got we to talk plain, can't we? I'm ready to explode, if you haven't noticed. But anyway, I kind of live that way because I'm so excited about how much he loves us. He gave this to us. You and I are to walk free from all sickness, all disease, all pain. Yeah, but pastor, you know, when you get older, I worked really hard. My back and my knees are just wearing out. Show me that in the Bible. The Bible says that when they came out of Egypt, now I don't know how hard you've worked, but slaves in Egypt, you were building pyramids, you were building temples, you were, you were pushing, pulling, cutting rocks your whole life. And the Bible says that after they ate the Passover lamb, which was just a type of us receiving Christ, they left Egypt not one feeble among them. Not one. That means, that, that literally, study that word feeble. Because you know, slaves working in that environment, you put your hand in the wrong place, there were people there with no hands. No fingers, maybe some toes missing or whatever, and yet they all walked out whole, all of them. And it also said they walked out, they, they completely plundered the Egyptians. They went to all their masters and said, hey, can I have all your jewelry, all your gold, all your silver? And the Egyptians are like, sure, 
Why is that? It's a type. It shows you the authority that a New Testament believer was going to have in Christ. So think about your life if right now you knew that God's will is that there was no pain in your body, everything was working perfectly. Now listen, you're not going to be doing a 360 dunk, running a 4-340. You're not going to bench 800 pounds when you're 90 years old. But you're not to, you're not to lose your mind. You're not to, your joints are still supposed to work right. Your knees and your hips are supposed to work. Your eyes are not to dim. Your hearing's supposed to be there. So if it's not, don't beat yourself up. Rejoice, because this is God's will. I would love to show you in the word of God where, you know, well, maybe not in every situation, but I can't, because the Bible is really clear. He provided healing for all. Let's talk about finances. Eternal jubilee, that's debt cancellation. God's will for your life is that you have no debt and you have more than enough to live whatever life that he leads you to live. And then you have plenty, you have, you have an overflow, not just extra that, that's just sitting there. No, you have an overflow of finances. So it means it's a constant overflow. So that you having all sufficiency in your own life, and the Bible says things like this, a good man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. You know, you hear about some of these Hollywood actors that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and, and you hear about them, yeah, I'm not leaving anything to my kids. Well, of course you're not, you're not a good man. Right? But a Christian who knows God, yeah. So if your life doesn't look like that, if you have a mortgage, Right? I mean, my wife and I, we have a 3% mortgage, right? I mean, in, in like seven years, we'll have our house paid off. And, and when I say that, some people would go, wow, that's awesome. I despise the mortgage. We have a mortgage on this church. We send our financials like every, is it every month or every quarter? I can't remember. Every quarter. You know, and, and it's like, ooh, why? Because someone on the inside of me is going, wait a minute, God has provided so think of what your life would look like if you had no debt, no medical bills, no debt, overflowing supply. If you knew that God was blessing the work of your hands, that everything you touched was blessed, what would your life look like if you literally had nothing that would ever cause you to worry? No worry, no fear, no weakness. You were, so, you were so complete in your identity and who Christ has made you. No insecurities, Amen. no addictions. What would, your, what would your witnessing look like? Hey, Brother, check, check my life out. Do you want this? Because this has nothing to do with me. Let, me. let me tell you what this has to do. You, you, you want this life? Actually, you wouldn't have to go, hey, check. No, people come up to you. Hey, Pastor Teresa, can you tell me how in the world, right, God did that for you? Because we know it's God. The reason why I'm saying all this is guys, don't let the enemy dumb your life down. You are hearing words of life that have been spoken out of the mouth of God. This is not, this is not Tony. This is God spoke this. Everything I have said is not subject to change. The only, and the enemy can't stop it from coming into your life. The only one that can stop it is you. Because this is, how, this is how simple it is for you to lay hold of, I don't care what it is. That if that's the promise, if that's healing of stage four cancer, if that's a recovery from blindness, whatever it is, it's as simple, it's on, it's on the table. It's yours. He went before you. 
He knew at this, in 2023, you were going to need healing of cancer. And so here it is. All you got to do is go, wow, the Bible says what things soever I desire. When I pray, just believe that I receive them and I'll have them. So, Father, I just believe that I receive my healing right now. Thank you. That's, that's so simple. Guys, this is Bible. I believe that what God's doing in our midst right now is, is God wants to invade your life so that you go from maybe where you are unto all things are possible to him who believes. That God, the Bible says God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And it all works according to the power that's working in you. What is that power? A revelation of how much God loves you. That's why we're teaching what we're teaching on Sunday morning. Get ready. You will sit here and go, wow, this is amazing. And we're not going to be like this old school word of faith church that just is like, my faith and give me another nugget. No, we're just going to be like ravenous wolves. I want all of mine so that I can focus on just giving it all away. And I'm just going to start giving it all away. And God's going to, but I'll never be able to outgive God. The more I give away, the more he fills my, fills my life. Right? And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep telling people my life will be one. It's glory to glory. The righteousness of faith is revealed, the Bible says, from glory to glory. That means from your knee being healed to your thumb being healed to you getting free from allergies to your sinuses being healed to, to your eye opening up and you could see to your ears being healed, right? All of this stuff from glory to glory to glory. Why? Because you are simply learning how to walk by faith. So tonight... I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about something really, really important that you got to know about your life in order to see things from the perspective that God wants you to see. It's a foundation of your faith. Go to James chapter 4, verse 14. Man, I'm telling you, I'm so excited because, guys, what God is showing me, you and I are made to lay hold of this. To do exploits that will cause your people in your life and in, that you come in contact with to see Jesus. No more of this downtrodden stuff. Oh man, I'm a pastor and it's just so hard. No, you're believing a lie. It's a lie. His burden is light. His yoke is easy, right? He is the one who does it all. The mystery, it's Christ in me. And because I know he's in me, I have an expectation that my whole life I will go from glory, I'll see his glory here, his glory there, his glory, his glory will restore everything in my life. James 4.14, it says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. Now you might have a plan for tomorrow, for Thursday, but you really don't know exactly. I mean, in Nebraska, we don't even know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow, right? So we're, we're, well, we're well groomed in this. It's 80 today, but it might snow tomorrow. I mean, it's October, right? Look at this. You don't know what's on tomorrow. For what is your life? You have to know this. See, we live in the final days where there's perilous times because men are lovers of their own selves. I, I mean, we spend so much time thinking about our life. Me, me. And, and the world system is really beating us up with sickness and disease and all kinds of stuff going on. The fear of war and, and I mean, all this stuff that you could get really up to here with yourself. And the Bible says, for what is your life? And this is what the Bible says your life is. It is even a vapor oh, that's good. that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Your life, what is it talking about? This time period from the time you came out of the womb until the time you step out of your body and you go to be with the Lord, or for us, most likely, for the time we hear a trumpet say, come up here and we're raptured out of here. Yeah. The, our life is like a vapor. 
So I had my, my wife. I, I, let me make sure I could do this. Okay, yeah, there we go. You said it right, didn't you? Yeah. I knew she would. So this is your life. This is your life. Can you see this in the light? You're born, and then you live, and then you're gone. You're born. Now, now this, this is God saying this. Now, now, those of you who are a teenager, maybe in your early 20s, you're still going, well, you know, time's not going super fast. Although, talk to young people today. Even to young people, it's, it's flying, isn't it? It's just flying, right? I mean, Ikaya, you're a senior in high school. And it's still going fast. When I was, well, when I was a senior in high school, I didn't even go to school. But uh, I was working at McDonald's. No, I went to, I, we moved to California. You don't have to study. I just go in and take, I got straight A's my last semester. I never even opened a book. I had a class called Reading for Enjoyment. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that, that's right. That's exactly right. That's right. You know, actually, that's what I read in there. But anyway, yeah, I read it to a bunch of surfer guys and drug addicts, but that was fun. We had a good time. So this is your life. It just, it's just here, and then it's gone. You have, this is the shortest period of time that you are going to be anywhere. Right? I mean, I guess you're only going to be in heaven for seven years. But then technically heaven's going to come to earth, right? After we're done with the thousand year thing. But I mean, literally, it's a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So don't live your life like this. I got to hold on to everything, and it's all about the money that I have, and gosh, I can't honor God in my giving. I can't honor God in my time, because man, I just, I got to watch Thursday Night Football. I can't, you know, and I, I got to, right? No, no, live your life like this. God, whatever, right? So because your life is a vapor, look at what it says. It appears for a little time, it vanishes away. I mean, guys, I'm 61, I know it's hard to believe because I look young. Yes, you do. You do. I'm, I'm waiting for some amens. Okay, come on. <laughs> but, but you've seen nothing yet. I'll be the youngest old person you've ever seen in your life. Because the anointing, wow. So, but then I blinked. I mean, I was 25. And then I blinked and I was 60. And I'm, if the Lord tarries, which I can't even imagine... I'll blink and I'll be in my 80s. I mean, blink. It goes, do you, can you imagine? It's already, I mean, October's almost done. It seems like we were just talking about 2023. Right? I mean, it's, that's, that's crazy. It's going so fast. We don't have a lot of time, but look at what it says. Because of that, verse 15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will... We shall live or do this or do that. So let's put this in context because it's not like I live my life. Well, you know, God, please heal me if it's your will. No, he's not talking about that. That's stupidity because he already told you what his will is in that area. Basically, literally, this would say, since our life is like a vapor, we should say, Lord, what is your will for me today? Every day of our life, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Because I know my life is just a vapor. You have to understand this to understand the life of faith. Okay? Letting God know that you need him. Guess what? That's the number one benefit of that is it lets you know that you need him. Your words hand you things, right? Life and death is in the power of your tongue, Proverbs 18. The power the direction of your tongue, your tongue hands you things. Letting God know you need him lets you know you need him. Amen. So man, I walk in a revelation that, you know, God, and everything I do, I mean, right now, this is a flow. That whole thing i just been talking about, I had no idea I was going to say that. But, but we needed that because that was, that was utterance. Right? That was, that was literally prophecy. It was inspired utterance. I love that flow. I mean, I, I sense that flow everywhere. Everywhere in my life, because it's the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's a flow. You learn 
how to flow with him. I could hardly talk about it. He's so emotional. I just get emotional. We need God to guide us because our life's a vapor. Right? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 23. This is talking about the same thing. So we see in James, because our life is but a vapor, it goes so fast. I need to live my life going, God, what, what is your will for my life today? Or what is your will for my life this morning? Or what is your will for my life right now? And then what about now? And then what about now? It's almost like we're a child in the back seat of his car going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But no, we're saying, what about now? What do you want me to do now? What, well, what about now? Right? So Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23 says this. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. The Bible is saying that God did not make you to direct your own steps. You were not made to live apart from him. You are made to live in him. And he is made, he's in you to live through you. But it's not in you to direct your steps. And, and charismatic Christians, you have to hear this more than most people. Because your one God told me away from doing stupid things. Well, you know, God told me, Pastor, I, you're just the greatest teacher in the world. I just love the way the Spirit moves and you just teach the Word of God. And God is leading us in a different direction. We're, we're gonna, so we're going to be leaving the church. Okay, yeah, where are you going? You know, I don't know. You, you what? You, are you Abraham? You don't know where you're supposed to go? Right? And, and you're leaving a church that preaches the word of God under the anointing that you told me three months ago, God led you here? Can you show me something in the New Testament that tells you that you should leave? Is, is, there, is there one example of a New Testament believer leaving a church that God planted them in? No. Is there one example in the Old Testament? When you were part of a tribe... Could you imagine, hey, you know what? You know, I'm just tired of being a tribe of Levi. I'm going to go over here because over here, man, they got the head guy over here wears skinny jeans and he's 25 and he's really cool. No, no. There's, there's no examples of that, is there? Right? Right? But so we got, and why I'm just playing. You guys know I'm just playing. I, I mean, sometimes, but sometimes we do this. We get desperate. And we don't know who we are. And we're walking by sight. And then all of a sudden, it's like we walk outside and a cardinal flies by right as a yellow leaf is falling off a tree. And we're like, oh, God spoke to me. Right? That happened. And then this beautiful woman. And I just, I know that's God. Right? And you're just like, yeah, whatever. Now, it could be true. I mean, that kind of happened to me. I saw this beautiful woman's back of her head. And then I was done forever. Happy about it. But no, the way, the way of man, it's not in you to direct your own steps. In other words, you were made for God to direct your steps. So that means you have to completely depend on him and on no one or nothing else. You're, but here's the thing. You're made to do this. As a believer, you are made to do this. This is a foundation of faith. The way of man, it's not in himself. It's not in man to direct himself. So let's go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verse 23. There's such an anointing every time. Because I, I, you know me, I've gone through this stuff before. It always is different, but it's the same scriptures. But you know, I remember when the Lord took me through this. He had to literally sit me down and take me through this. And I'm like, wow, I never saw that before. Wow. I'm preaching it tonight and I'm seeing some new things while I'm talking to you. 
Proverbs 37, 23, it says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. This Hebrew word, it's a Hebrew verb, ordered. It means to set up, to prepare, to make firm, and to establish. It almost sounds like you're laying concrete. It's almost like the steps of a Lord, he sets it up, right? He prepares everything. He makes it firm and he establishes it. Your father never wants you to step on something that could move. He wants your steps to be solid everywhere you go. We walk worthy of him. How do we do this? What is the walk of faith? I have his word first place in my life. I'm submitted to his word. I'm meditating in his word day and night. He reveals something about himself to me and I step. That, that word walk worthy of the Lord in Colossians, it means one step at a time in a forward motion. He reveals himself and then I walk. This is how we live. I have to live this way. Everywhere that I step, it's to be firm. Now here's the thing. It may look like liquid water and it may look like you're stepping off a cliff. But I'm telling you, if God is directing your step, it doesn't matter what it looks like you're stepping into. It might be a fiery furnace. It might be a lion's den. It might be stepping out to meet Goliath. It's going to be firm, Amen. peaceful, no fear, because he's my director. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Why do we have inner turmoil? Because we're trying to direct our own steps, right? So let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. See, isn't it when the Lord steps on your toe, it just feels good? Yes, it does. I mean, I know when the Lord tells me, Tony, you need to get over yourself. I'm like, yes, I know. That's awesome. Thank you. Because he doesn't say it in anger. Because he's not angry with you. He's at peace with you. He loves you. He's for you. And he wants you to live, he wants you to live Zoe life, God's life on this earth. So Proverbs chapter 3, look at what it says. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? With all of your heart. So that means, do you have any room to trust anybody else? Nope. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. How, how is it so easy for me to trust Jeanette? Because I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. So trusting a person is easy. Right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter what anybody does. Because I trust him. He's going to protect me. He's going to provide. He's going to bring increase. Man, you keep your heart right, you could miss it a hundred times, you'll still end up in the right place. I know this from firsthand experience, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not or don't rely on your own mind's conclusion. That word understanding means your own mind's conclusions. Your mind might tell you, I really have a desire for this, but I see where I'm at in my life right now. There's no way this could happen. I mean, I still laugh the college and career ministry I had back in California, we would see people, they would come to our college and career ministry and, and you know, they, so many people wanted to be married and they're like, well, great people here, but I love them all like my brothers or my sisters, so let me go to the 600-member college and career group in South Orange County, California. And they would leave to go find their wife or go find their husband. And they'd be back in about a year, messed up, compromise, right? Oh, there was a lot, there, that was a big pond of fish in. 
But man, those counterfeit fish, they look so good. And you don't have to go anywhere. The Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart. I never, I grew up in Illinois. I never met a one, I never met one person from Iowa. And I'm living now in Southern California and God brings a girl from Fairfield, Iowa to come to Southern California to rescue me. And then has to go, hey, Tony, there she is. You mess up so much stuff. This is her. You need this. Right? And just to make sure that happened, he even spoke to Jeanette and said, hey, there's the guy. You have no idea what you're getting into, but trust me, it's going to be okay. Right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't rely on your own mind's conclusions and in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Lord, what is your will for me today? In all my ways, right? So in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And then what will he do? He directs your paths. See, he wants to direct your paths. But in order for him to be able to direct your paths, you must trust in him with all of your heart. You got to stop leaning on your own mind's conclusions based on what you're seeing in the natural. In all of your ways, you got to acknowledge him. What would G Jesus, what would you have me do here? Right? I mean, we, we have that, the bracelet, what would Jesus do? But Jesus, what would you have me do? Right? So now let's look at another scripture. Man, I am... Only, I'm, I'm not going very fast here tonight, but that's okay. You got to get this. Faith is easy. It's simple once you are fully invested and trust in him because you know he'll never hurt you. He'll never let you down. And you could just trust him. What we're saying here tonight, do you realize if you had a bad day today, do you realize this could be the last bad day in your whole life? Yes, don't have another bad day. You don't have to. God is for you. He is with you, and he's never going to leave you. Nothing can separate you from his love, and he is watching over his word to perform it today, and all things are possible to him. Do you realize right now, as he's watching you, he's creating more planets and universes and galaxies? They have proven that at a point in time, there was a big bang. Well, we know when that big bang happened, it was God's voice that said, light be. And they know the universe is still expanding at the speed of light. So while he can, you think he can maybe fix your kidney or give you a new one. Right? So, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Let's bring it into the New Testament. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. That, that word led, it's the Greek word ago. It, it, a farmer would tie a rope around his animal and lead him into the town. It's like you have this inner knowing, this unction. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't tell you what to do. He shows you what to do. And he will lead you. How does he lead you? Look at verse 16. The spirit itself, now you know me, that's my soapbox. It's, he's not an it. It's the Greek word autos. It means the spirit himself. Okay? Himself. I don't think he enjoys people calling him an it. Every time pastors quote that scripture, the King James translator, which I, who translated this, who's in heaven, I'm hoping today, goes, I know. Right? Jesus is like, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Right? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How does he lead you? He bears witness with you that you are a child of God. Don't put up with that sickness and disease. You're a child of God. Don't put up with poverty and lack. You're a child of God. No, no, don't say you're addicted to this. Don't succumb to that. You're not. I made you free. You're a child of God. That's what he does. He leads you. 
That's how he directs you. But in order to do that, you have to trust him. You got to stop relying on your own understanding. In all your ways, you got to acknowledge him. See, the days of having your life and then Jesus over here on the side, it doesn't work like that. If a pastor tells you it does, have him quote, say, where is that in the Bible? Right? Matthew 6.33 doesn't say, seek first your life and then the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. It doesn't say that. It says, seek ye first the kingdom. Right? So, given all of this, once you realize that it's not in you, it's not in me to know our own way, once you really, see, and you may say, well, pastor, I know that. Really? You need to get quiet so that the Holy Spirit could say, yeah, okay, I know, I know you say you know that, but what about that? And what about that thing you're trying to figure out in your own strength? And what about over here? And what about the little game you're playing in your mind over here? He, he will show, he'll help you. This is something he will teach you. All you got to do is be willing and obedient. Once you realize that it's not in me to know my way, what happens? I become completely dependent on him. Guys, if he said we can't, the way, the way that we're to go is it's not in me to direct that, direct that. I need him to direct that. Now I've got to be completely dependent upon him. I'm so glad because if you would have told me when I was 18 years old, 20 years old, 20 some years old, if you would have told me when I was a Rama student that I would, I would be excited about living as far away from an ocean as you could possibly get in the United States and that I would be pioneering a church in Omaha, Nebraska, I would have said there's absolutely no way. Because when we left Chicago, when we left Illinois, I'm like, I'm excited. No more winter. I used to watch this show in the 80s, Challenge of the Sexes. Have you ever seen that? It was in Mission Viejo, California. Next thing I know, I'm 17 years old. I'm living in Mission Viejo, California. It was heaven. Man, you couldn't drag me back there to live now. That is a crazy place. But I sure enjoy going and enjoying their ocean. Right? But I love Omaha. It's where I'm supposed to be. I could have never figured that out. I could have never figured out when I was living in Southern California that I was going to marry a girl from Fairfield, Iowa. I could have never figured that out. Talk to some people that are here. Pastor Dave grew up in Omaha. When he left Ramah, God says, I want you to, I want you to resign from Ramah and I, I want you to, I'm going to call you to an unlikely place. You know where the unlikely place was? Omaha. You know why? Why was it an unlikely place? Because he said, I'm never going back to Omaha. That's just surely not God's will. When Doug Jones, who was going to be a guest minister this year, he was here, Doug was going, well, listen, I'm going to put some feelers out. I'm like, Doug, stop. No, he's supposed to be the children's pastor here. He just doesn't know it yet. Well, have you talked to him? No, I'm not going to talk to him about that. But is he grateful? I don't know what he's more grateful. I'm not even going to ask him this. Are you more grateful that you're here doing ministry or are you more grateful that you came and found your wife, Leanne, who is the woman of your dreams? Who? I, let me check. I got to check. Leanne, can I see your hand? Can I see? Let's, yep. Can I see this one too? Yeah. He's still wrapped around every one of her fingers. Still wrapped. That phone, I'll be, in, I'll be with him and the phone goes off. And I could tell by his face, I'm like, it's Leanne. He, he just beams. Like right now, he's blushing right now a little bit. See, God loves it when you completely depend on him. When your life, everything is saying, there's no way this can happen. And yet you're just going, Father, I thank you that you have given me this. He loves it when you completely depend on him. He loves it when you completely trust him. Complete. Doing this when you completely depend on him and no one and nothing else, this ensures 
that you will always be in the right place at the right time with the right heart doing the right thing. Always. The key to fulfilling God's call on your life is this. Will I submit my life, myself, in humility to completely depend on him? That is the question you are at being asked by the Holy Spirit right now. Will you? For me, it was like Tony. He said this to me because I was steeped in worthlessness. I was just a mess. And he said, Tony, listen, I don't care where you've been. I don't even care where you are. But my question to you is, will you go from this place with me and never look back? I'm so glad I said yes. Amen. Had no idea. Had no idea all that was going to mean. And to be honest with you guys, from here to the, till I see him, I have a feeling this has just been warm up. We haven't even seen anything yet. Right? I mean, we're grateful for all we've seen, but I'm telling you, this is a time of multiplication. So this is a time for you to humble yourself and go, I don't care what my life has been for the last 50 years. It's all changing right now. Right? Man, that burns in my heart that I talk to pastors about that. Because some of us, we just get in this funk. Nobody appreciates me. I'm so, I'm, some pastors, I, I'm just struggling. We never have enough money to do this or enough money to do that. And, and you know, and all this stuff, I'm doing all the work of the ministry. It's like, you're doing what? Yeah, I do everything in the church because I can't get anybody to help me. Wow, you're not called to do that. You're called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So that's your first problem. Yeah, but nobody will do anything. Pray. God will bring people. Right? Did God, was, was this church God's idea? Yeah, he'll bring every. God says he prepares a table. So that means like Faith Family Church, everything we'll ever need we have. Right? So we don't get moved. We just stay thankful. Because here's the deal. I'm completely dependent upon him. Pastor Teresa cannot do what God wants done in our children's ministry. There's no way she could do it. She has massive ability. Creativity, great. But guess what? Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. You could pay me back later. So that, okay, awesome. Yeah. But, but literally, it won't be enough for her to walk out God's plan for her life. But yet, 20 people could say, no, you know what, Teresa, I don't want to help in children's ministry. I don't want to watch babies. I don't want to. It doesn't matter because she could pray and believe God. And guess what? God will bring them. There will be visitors. Hey, you know what? I love this church. You know, and I love babies. I would tell your secret. I would tell your recruiting secret, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's really cool, though. So this is the key. This is the key to walking by faith. Will you humble yourself and humble your life in every area so that you are completely dependent upon God? Will you put yourself in that position to where if, if God doesn't move, it's not happening? Are you willing to do that? I'm here to tell you he's big enough. He's big enough. See, you and I trying to improve ourselves would be like a donkey trying to really work hard to become a racehorse. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that donkey has the best trainer, eats the best diet, trains exactly like, right? I don't even know what, yeah, like secretariat. I mean, I, right? It would ne that, that horse would, or that donkey would never be a racehorse because he was not made to be, right? You can't produce the God kind of results unless God is working for you and through you. It's, it's, it's a must. It's a must. Being confident in yourself, and I'm going to very clearly say this, always, 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 always ends in failure. Now, you can sit here and go, well, now, wait a minute. I've done some stuff in my life, and I know it was just on my own ability. Yeah. And you know what God calls that? Nothing. You won't talk about it in eternity. Because God doesn't call you to do things according to your ability. 
He calls you to do things according to his ability. Now, he'll use your ability, but your ability won't be enough. You'll have to be completely dependent upon him. See, failure, this is the definition of failure. Anything other than God's results in your life. There's going to be people that stand before God that in the world's eyes, they're going to think, wow, this person was a complete success and it's all going to be burnt up. There's going to be other people that we've never even heard about and they're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to be like, who, who was that? She lived in my generation. I never even heard of, she never even had a TV show. She never, you know, she never, but yet, what did she do? What is the definition of success? Success is doing what God's called you to do, period, period. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just this, right? I'm just this and I'm just that, you know, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a single parent. I'm, I'm a, just a housewife, and I just, d- d- are you kidding me? Are you doing what God's called you to do? Yes. Then that's massive. Ma- I mean, it's massive to find your place and do what God's called you to do. God has called me to raise these children. That's huge. Do it, and God will bless you in every arena of your life. Wow, that clock goes so fast. Just a little bit more, just a little bit more. I won't keep you. Hallelujah. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, we're going to look at verse 7 and 8. Hallelujah. So, isn't this basic? Man, this is like Tony Finley simple, right? This is like reigning in life made easy, right? Because it is easy. Why? Because Jesus said, listen, take my yoke upon you. That's his doctrine. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'm humble. What do you mean humble? Hey, everything I'm doing, Jesus said, my father's doing it. My father says, I want you to come, son, I want you to come pray. I'm going to spend some time with you. Send them on a boat. Tell them you'll see them on the other side. Then after you get done praying, okay, son, I want you to just, just walk. Walk on the water. Okay, dad. Fully trusting in him. Right? Right? Standing before Pontius Pilate, right? Or, you know, and bleeding, hurting. Not saying anything. Why? Because his father's saying, yeah, don't answer this guy. And all of a sudden, he gets all upset. He goes, don't you know I have the power to kill you or set you free? Jesus is like, no. No man takes my life. I'll, I'll, I'll lay it down, and I'll pick it back up again. Now, that's a big statement. But guess what? Did you notice Jesus said, I'll pick it back up again? Do you know that God the Father raised him from the dead, right? You have to believe that to be saved. Same thing. That's what we're saying. Tony, go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Why? Because God will heal them. Not because I'll heal them. God is there. So look at this. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Blessed, that word, that literally that Hebrew word means empowered to prosper, is the man that trusts the Lord. That trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. In other words, I am trusting him for my today and he, I am trusting him for my, all my tomorrows. Amen. Blessed or empowered to prosper is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be, this is the strongest statement in the Hebrew language. It's the same thing in the Greek. This is the strongest language that God could use. And he shall be. In other words, you trust in the Lord and you make God your hope. This is what you're going to be like. And there's nothing that can stop this from happening. He shall be like a tree planted by waters. So you will live 
with more than enough provision coming from the inside, you won't need anything coming from the outside. Okay? That spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. When the heat gets turned up in your life, you won't even pay attention to it. Because, in other words, what you're receiving from God on the inside is much greater than anything that's trying to stop you on the outside. You can't even compare it. Right? It says you shall be like this. That spreads out her roots by the river, shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green. Even in heat, even from the outside heat, it's never, the outside stuff is never going to cause you not to be fresh vibrant and excited because see all of my excitement doesn't come from the outside it comes from the inside i'm not moved by anything on the outside i refuse to be if i ever start to be moved on the outside the mount everest of word on the inside and the mighty holy spirit and my spirit's going whoa no 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 no! get back to what you believe yes sir i believe let every man be a liar but let god be true right her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Oh, you know, interest rates, interest rates, man, young people that, that, are, that are not homeowners yet, interest rates are getting so high. How am I ever going to afford a house? And, and, you know, I mean, 8% and, and 10 or whatever it does, I don't care if it's 30%. God is bigger. Do you realize the blessing of God says you'll have houses? Because he doesn't expect you to fund your life here. He expects you to trust him to fund your life here. So you won't be careful in a year of drought. You start saving money and God says, give it all. You just give it all. I don't care. Yeah, but what? But they're talking about layoffs in my company. They're talking about this. I don't care. When we were in California, do you know we paid $6.50 a gallon for gas? Remember that when, you know, if, if, if that wonderful governor out there ever runs for president, you might not want to vote for him. Because $6.50, we're going, we're going to spend $100? And when you're doing that, you're like, Father, I thank you. I still remember we were talking, and Pastor Torian, he's on a business trip tonight, and he's not worried about where he's going to sleep tonight because the company's going to pay for everything. Like, God will pay for everything for you here. I remember they were talking about gas prices. He goes, I don't care what gas is. My father's bigger than all of it. That's the attitude that I'm talking about when you realize, listen, I got to be completely dependent upon him. It's the only way to live. It's my only option. Satan is the big option giver. I live my life without options and it's wonderful. I will put the word of God first place. I will meditate in it day and night. That is my truth. I don't ever get up and go, well, right? I mean, I, I hear pastors say from the pulpit, you know, sometimes I don't feel like coming to church. What? I mean, I'm, a, I'm starting to get excited about Sunday already because I'm, I'm kind of closing down. Why? Because God, I love coming together in corporate worship. I mean, when we go to church in other places, we're always the last to leave. How is that even possible? Right? He'll keep your leaf green. You won't be careful in a year of drought, and neither shall you cease from yielding fruit. So I'm going to close, since we're only on page three here, I'm going to close with Psalm. I'm gonna, this is an exact same scripture. Psalm chapter 1. Let me just read this to you. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let this be established, right? So it says here, blessed, Psalm 1-1, or empowered to prosper, is the man that walks not in the counsel, this means in the advice or the plan of the ungodly. I, I don't care how good you are in your field. I am not going to walk 
according to your advice or your plan because I want to be empowered to prosper. Right? Nor stands, now he's not walking anymore, now he's kind of standing, he stopped walking. He's standing in the way of sinners. This word stand literally means to abide and to dwell in the way, in the way, in the manner of life of sinners. Now that's Christian, non-Christian. I'm not going to dwell and abide around believers as my close inner circle of friends that are not living a godly life. Because I can't, I, the Bible says I can't be empowered to prosper in that position. Right? Nor sits, now we're not walking anymore, we're not even standing, now we're sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now this could be believer, non-believer, right? All three of these can be believer, non-believer. Carnal believers are ungodly, they're sinners, and they can be scornful. What's scornful? The Hebrew word scornful means one who teaches others about others, right? Wow, you know, Nicole, I mean, Pastor Dave is a really nice guy, but let me, let me tell you, but why does he, you know, why does he always wear the same color as Pastor? Or, or, or maybe, or actually, why, why does Pastor wear the same color as, what, what, what do you think's going on with these guys? Are they trying to join a club? Scornful, get away from that, run. Somebody's talking to you in church, hey, you know, why do they do this? Don't care, have no, learn this statement. Keith Moore taught me this years ago at Rama. I have no opinion about that. That'll keep you out of more trouble, right? But, but the person who's empowered to prosper, but, verse two, his delight, the person that's empowered to prosper, his delight is in the law of the Lord. So New Testament believer, his delight is in the word of God. And in the law, or in his word, does he meditate day and night? Does that make sense? You want to be empowered to prosper? You've got to meditate in the word. It's got to be first. It says, look at this, and he, here we go again, shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. More than enough. Look at what else it says. It, isn't it interesting how close it is? And he shall be like a tree, look at this, planted. That means you will be like a person that doesn't plant itself. You're planted. This is why you need to get where God wants you to be. It's important that you be in the right, the church he has you at. He wants you to live where you're supposed to live. Work where you're, don't, don't get into this how much money. No, God, where, you get up, I'm looking for a job. Where do you want me? And then I'm going to believe that you open this door. Where do you want me to live? Don't get into this thing, I'm going to live where I could afford. No, no, where do you want me to live? Right? Now, now this will rock your world. Because God won't have you live above your means. So you might have to live. He might say, this is where I want you to live. You're like, what? But what you don't realize is, no, 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 no. There's a reason I have you here. I know more than you. It's okay. Right? This, this neighborhood looks a little sketchy, but I'll protect you. But I, I, need you to, I need you here for a little bit. Right? Instead of, well, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go buy this car. And then for five years, you're like, how am I going to make this payment? Right? Just remember, God's a God of mercy. If you do it wrong, he'll get you out of it. Just trust him. You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. So think about this. There are people, their eternal destiny is dependent upon you yielding your fruit. And in and, and your season, here's your season. So you better not waste time. This is your season. Think about a parent. Your season to heavily impact your children is even shorter. Yeah. 
Don't raise them. Now, see, I, I'm not talking to you because you're here. But don't raise them outside of church because when they're little, they'll love coming to church. But when they hit middle school, they'll start not wanting to go to church anymore if they're not in church. And you kind of, it's like, oh, man. Now, it's not too late, but it's going to be a little harder, right? Or they get out on their own and they're living across the country or in another part of the world and they're not serving God at the end of the church age and you're like, don't, don't stress, you just pray. Father, you said my children would be mighty in the earth, that they would they'd be taught of, of the Lord, that great would be their peace. You protect them, you protect them where they're at right now. They're being stupid, but that's okay. You just protect them. And then when you're around them, don't beat them up. Just talk to them. Hey, how's it going? Don't tell them what to do. Let God work. Pretty soon they'll call you one day. Wow, I'm in church. I'm serving God. I'm no longer a drug addict. I'm free from all this. And you're going to be like, wow, God, you're so good. Look at this. His leaf also shall not wither. And the last thing God says, and whatever he does will prosper. In the Hebrew language, it, it literally reads like this. And whatever he puts his hand to will be brought to maturity. God wants to bring every desire that is in your heart. He wants to give it to you as you delight in him, and then he wants to bring it to maturity in your life. Why? Because he loves you so much. Amen?